You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Jacobs with the Future Tech and Finding a Genius podcast. I'm Jonathan Parker. Uh, he's the head of the Sleep Performance Institute. The website is sleepperformanceinstitute.com, and we're going to talk about uh, what they do there and what the goal is. So, Jonathan, thank you for coming. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Dan, from our talk before the recording, that uh, you know you have a clinic where you help patients with snoring and sleep apnea, but the Sleep Performance Institute is different. Uh, can you tell listeners about it a little bit? Sure. Uh, I've been, uh, well, I'm actually trained as a dentist, been practicing for 36 years, uh, but focused most of my uh, training and time with uh, helping patients to treating snoring and sleep apnea. And so I work with uh, a lot of physicians, sleep physicians uh, in, in my work, and I collaborate care with patients. And one of those uh, sleep physicians is a neurologist uh, named Mike Howell who I think has done a podcast with you in the past. And um, so uh, Mike connected with me, Dr. Hull connected with me about seven years ago uh, because we were both interested in sleep, health, and performance. And um, we started to work together uh, in, in helping people in a bigger way. Both of us were seeing patients and helping people one at a time, and, and I'll tell you, there's been nothing in my career that's been more rewarding to, to see or be in the presence of people whose lives have changed as a result of improving their sleep. But he and I were, were both really wanted to focus on improving sleep in larger groups of people uh, because so many people are sleeping poorly. I mean, the reality is that most people don't sleep well, but they're not sure what to do about it. And he and I had had so much experience, uh, you know, combined about 40 years of experience in helping people sleep better with all sorts of different sleep issues that we really sort of understand sleep at a deep level. And um, we wanted to bring that to larger numbers of people. And uh, the truth is that most people who have sleep problems don't really need to see a doctor about it. They just need to understand the problem, understand the challenges they're having, and understand sleep, and then be given some 
ways to resolve it without using medications or medical devices or surgery. And so we started to put together programming that would help people in a simple way to start to resolve their sleep problems. And uh, so that's really what he and I have been working on over the last seven years. And it's, it's been quite an amazing experience to see that happen. Yeah. The clinic for snoring and apnea is not the whole story. So you had to do the Sleep Performance Institute. So how, are the, how do the problems get siloed? Who sees you in the snoring and apnea part? And who goes to the Sleep Performance Institute and why? Well, they're, they're very different. So in my practice where I treat people with snoring and sleep apnea, most of those people have already uh, seen somebody like, a, like Dr. Howell, like a sleep physician or their primary physician, with a complaint of snoring uh, and the symptoms of, of apnea. And um, many of them have gone through some sort of assessment or sleep testing to confirm that they have sleep apnea. And the treatment of choice for uh, people with sleep apnea is CPAP, continuous positive airway pressure. It's basically a mask and a blower, and it blows air through the hose and mask uh, through your nose to open up the airway to help you sleep better at night because people with sleep apnea stop breathing. Snoring is sort of self-explanatory. <laughs> it's, and, and it doesn't only affect the sleep person sleeping. As a matter of fact, most of the time it doesn't affect the person sleeping. It affects their sleep partner. But, I know. I've woken up and my kids have said, Dad, you were snoring. I had no clue. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So... And CPAP is highly effective in, in treating people with sleep apnea, but only 50% of people who use the CPAP can tolerate it. So many people need an alternative option. So they're sent to my office uh, because we use uh, oral appliances, uh, dental devices that fit over the upper and lower teeth and they hold the jaw slightly forward. And that opens the airway to help people breathe, and it, it resolves snoring. So it's most effective in people with mild uh, to moderate sleep apnea. It's highly effective in people who don't have sleep apnea but snore loudly. Um, and so it really, in 85% of the people who, uh, it, it really improves their snoring. Um, for people with mild to moderate apnea, probably 60 to 70% success in managing that as well but it's only effective in about 50% of people with severe apnea. And those are the people that usually should be using CPAP to, to manage their problem. Um, so that do you is have any people that are willing to do both CPAP and the oral appliance, or can you even do that with the mask? Yes, we, that is one option that if people are not getting the results with their CPAP that they want, or that the sleep physician that they're working with wants, then we do combinations of therapy uh, periodically. And if they wear the appliance, it will help to stabilize the airway so that blowing air in is much easier and uh, makes it easier for the patient to tolerate. So the answer is yes, we do both. But it's usually in people with more severe apnea where, we can't, where the CPAP alone isn't enough or isn't tolerable enough. So at the Sleep Performance Institute, though, are you still working on the same problems just with different people, or are the problems different? Are the remedy is different. The problem is different. So the Sleep Performance Institute is a completely separate 
company or business. And what, what, what we know is that, like I mentioned, most people don't sleep well and they're not sure what to do about it. And by not sleeping well, what I mean is they struggle falling asleep or staying asleep. Um, and, and when people will complain of difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep and you ask them, well, what is it that is causing this? They'll say, well, I, I can't shut my mind down. You know, I lie down in bed and my mind starts racing. And then, then, then my task list, oh, I've got to do this, this, and this tomorrow. And they can't drift off to sleep. Uh, or they wake up during the night and the same thing starts to happen. Or they can't get comfortable during sleep, so they, they're restless. Um, so there are huge numbers of people with this issue. And they just figure that, hey, that's me. I, you know, but they don't know what to do about it. So Dr. Howell and I, um, based on our experience, have created programs to help people understand what it is that's triggering um, these issues and then give them a step-by-step process that is fun and interesting and engaging to help them resolve it. So what... The question here, you know, or quick observation is that I've spoken to a lot of people about sleep and I've heard a lot of them say, you probably have too, oh yeah, I sleep pretty well, but yet they're having, you know, symptom this, that, or the other. Exactly. It's funny. It's, it's simply because you're literally not aware. You're unconscious, so you don't know what's going on. You know whether you're snoring or this, that, or the other. And even if you have arousals, you may not wake up all the way. So it exactly. makes it hard to figure out what happened when you slept because you just you're not aware. You haven't thought about it. Exactly. Your dream. You know, at 15 minutes after you wake up, it's like a dream. You just kind of forget about it. Right. So th- there are three key elements there. Number one is. In order to feel refreshed and really um, live your life to to its fullest, uh, we need to feel we we need to sleep well. And sleeping well means that our quality of sleep is good, that our length of sleep is good, and that the timing of our sleep is consistent with with uh, with each of us. And so, quality, length, and timing of sleep are absolutely essential for getting good, healthy sleep. And for many people, they're not getting enough sleep. They're not getting it at the right time, according to their natural body clock. And like you said, their sleep is disrupted for some reason during the night, but they're unaware of it. And so, you know, these, the, the technology that's out there, you can buy a Fitbit or a Jawbone or uh, an Apple Watch, whatever technology you want, and it will give you information about how much you're moving around at night or maybe your quality of sleep, which you weren't aware of. But the question is, you know, why aren't you feeling well? Why aren't you sleeping well? And so we need to help people understand sleep and then help them try and identify what it is that is impacting their quality of sleep or educate them well enough to be able to understand what their body clock says or when they should be sleeping. I mean, you, you've probably experienced that as it relates to timing of sleep, we say, you know, you need eight hours of sleep and normally you go to bed at 1030 and you wake up at 630 and you feel pretty good. But the nights you go to bed at one, you know, you've been out to, you know, with friends 
you get to bed at one in the morning and you wake up at nine or 9.30, you don't feel as rested. That's because the timing of your sleep is not consistent with your circadian rhythm or your body clock. And so you're not going to feel uh, rested if you don't sleep within the timing, uh, your own natural timing. So those are little things. Question, that we question here, circadian question. Yeah. So regardless of your chronotype, is there a time you should never go to sleep and wake up no matter what? You know, like whatever my chronotype, is it no good for anyone to go to bed at like six in the morning and sleep till 2 p.m. and then get up and stay up again till six in the morning? You know, like for instance, I've been going to bed at like three or four in the morning for 20 years and I get up at like 11 or noon. So even if I have a really late chronotype, is that just too late and I shouldn't be doing that no matter what? Is there again, certain times that are not healthy for anybody. No, I, I would say that it really, I mean, what, what we will do, I mean, the answer to your question is, is no, there are people that, that have certain chronotypes like you mentioned um, that are at the end of the bell curve. They're, they're, they're different than most people. But the truth is that it's probably a very small percentage, a very small percentage. Um, but if we asked you, if we said to you, all right, let's determine what your, what your chronotype is. Let's determine what your circadian rhythm is. Um, what, what, I would, what I would ask you is, look, if, if we sent you to Hawaii for a month and we said to you, you have no responsibilities, you don't, you know, you don't have, there's no work responsibilities, there's no family responsibilities, go to bed when you're sleepy, wake up when you're done. I mean, if I offered you $1,000, you couldn't sleep any longer and eat when you're hungry and so on, what time would you go to sleep and what time would you wake up? So would you say it's like you said, three to four in the morning and wake up, you know, 11 or 12? Well, I'll give you an example. And I don't mean to turn this personal, but maybe it's no, interesting no, to fine. you listeners. Yeah. When I go on vacation with my family, I get up at, you know, eight, nine o'clock and it's okay because I, I realized I'm, I'm thinking time doesn't matter. We have to get up and do stuff and all that. And when I get tired, it's okay for me to go to bed at, you know, 11 or, or 11 p.m. or midnight. I can tell if I get up at six, it's just too early for me no matter what I do. Yep. So I can tell like probably my sweet spot of the earliest would be to go to bed at midnight and get up at eight or something or one and get up at nine. So I can feel it by having done that experiment. But and I also feel as I'm getting older that the three and the four is too late. I don't sleep as well. So I've been trying yep. to pull it back. So just by feel, I've kind of figured that out. And that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So based on what you're telling me, I mean, what I'm saying is what time at night would you be sleepy? And you're saying somewhere between 12 and 1. Is that accurate? The day is done properly. And I'm not drinking caffeine late and I'm not messing yes. myself up. Yeah, yes. that's, that's yes. probably the natural time that I would get tired. And that's what we want to know. And so if you went to bed at, uh, let's say, 12 or 1, like you said, naturally you'd probably feel comfortable waking up between eight and nine, something like that. But like you, like you said, at six, it's not, it's not okay. Cause that's not within your rhythm and you're, you're going to be dragging that day and you probably won't be as sharp. Your mind won't be quite as sharp. Um, and so on. So, I mean, these are some of the exercises that we use. What we've created basically is we've created an assessment tool and we've created an app around this programming that I think is going to change the game for people. And, and the reason is it will help us. We go through an assessment 
a survey that's going to be fun. It's got video. It's got interesting information. And it takes you 10 minutes to go through the assessment and answer some questions about, about you. And then once you've done that, we've created an algorithm which will tell us what your sleep issues are. Based on that information, it will take you then to a pathway that will um, go through steps of resolving that sleep issue and getting you sleeping, you know, your quality of sleep, your length of sleep, and your timing of sleep back on track for you. I mean, if there, if there are 15 different people in the room, there's probably 15 different circadian rhythms. We're really trying to customize it to each person. And this survey uh, tool allows us to do that. And, and it's fun and engaging. And, and, um, uh, and, and the way that we're, we've decided to move this out into the world is by going into corporations. And uh, because when people sleep well, their health is better, their mood is better, and their performance is dramatically better. And we know in corporations, if a corporation has a thousand employees, it's going to save $1.4 million in revenue for that corporation based on all the research data that's out there and the economics of, of uh, healthy sleep versus poor sleep. And so that's why it, a lot of uh, companies are interested in engaging in this and uh, because they look at the bottom line. We're more interested in looking at it. I mean, that's one small piece, but we're more interested in looking at it this way because if we can help people sleep better, it'll improve their relationships, which we need right now. There's too much angst in the world. And, and if people sleep better, they, they deal with each other in a more loving way. Um, in addition, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have more energy for their family at the end of the day. They'll be better workers. Um, we just feel like it, it can make a big difference in the world. And there's nothing out there like that right now. And there are some amazing sleep, brilliant sleep, medicine people who are, uh, you know, teaching and working with patients, but I, I just haven't seen anything yet that I think uh, can be brought to groups of people that can make a difference like this. So that's it's kind of what we've created in order to try and help sleep in general in, in a big way. Uh, we also are going to sports teams. We've met with a couple of professional sports teams who are interested in it. Uh, because it dramatically changes performance, uh, speed, split-second decision-making, reaction time, strength, endurance. I mean, the research data, and all this is evidence-based. It's all based on research data. Um, it clearly supports the impact of sleep on athletic performance and performance in general in the workplace, reducing accidents, uh, reducing healthcare costs, uh, just improving people's health in general. I sleep well, all my relationships are better, you know, more <laughs> calm. I don't snap at people and everything. And when I don't sleep well, the day is just a struggle to get through. And, you know, again, you tend to be short with, or I tend to be short with people and, you know, even little interactions at the coffee shop or whatever. So, you know, exactly. sleep is, uh, it makes a huge difference. And I know everyone listening has a memory of a time where they woke up and they felt amazing and they were ready to go. And unfortunately people have memories a lot, probably recently of uh, times they woke up dragging and, yeah. Having to have coffee and just feeling ugh, all day. So yeah. sleep is super important for sure. Yeah. So at, at the Institute, who, um, 
you said you're, you're reaching out to sports teams and businesses. Yeah. Like uh, who are the people that have successfully gone through the program and what does that look like? Any case studies, you know, without names? Yeah. So um, recently we worked with a, uh, a, um, a firm that does work with emerging companies and uh, you know, just to, to, they wanted to, they wanted to engage us because they wanted better performance out of their workers. And they, they could tell that, you know, the employees because of the long hours were, uh, you know, were struggling at times and the quality of the work they wanted to see improved. And it's a fast paced business. So we went in and did programming for them. Uh, they went through the survey and then we guided them. This was a smaller company. I think they had 20 employees. Um, and they noticed a difference within a week. And, uh, and the, the co-founders of the company both engaged in it and they both were involved in, are you familiar with CrossFit, which is a, you know, training and fitness exercise? Yes program so they were both involved in 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 training and competing and one of the co-founders kind of looked at me and said hey he said i have not lifted this much this many times as far as weights ever and he, he what he did is he changed he changed his whole uh schedule so that instead of staying up later at night and trying to finish projects he was going to bed at 8 30 or 9 and getting up at five or four thirty to work before anybody else was up, and then he would instead of training first thing in the morning at at five thirty or six, he was now training uh, at noon, and he said it it's completely changed the game for him. His work is better. He's got a better mood. He's he said he his his competition has dramatically changed. Um, and his ability, you know, just his endurance, strength, and uh, speed. So, I mean, that's one example of how it can affect people personally and his families noticed a difference and also uh, in, in his uh, sports performance. Well, how do you get people to figure that stuff out or do they have to do it themselves? You mean without a, without a program or the app? Yeah, specifically, what, what does the journey look like for someone using the app and using your program? How does, you know, what's an example? Of, you gave an example of how someone helped themselves, but literally, yes. what were the steps in which someone like that helps themselves? So here's, um, uh, so as I mentioned, uh, if we go into, uh, let's say, the marketing department at a Fortune 500 company, and we engage the employees there, they would do the assessments we would get the information. They would then go on to the app again to do the management part of it to help improve their um, to help improve their sleep. So you know it depends on on what their it depends on what their issue is. So let's say for example that they have a, a de- delayed circadian rhythm. In other words, this is a person that, uh, is this what you want? You want me to give you an example of how they would go through this? Oh, when someone, you know, someone listening could be interested and they could see literally yeah. some of the steps. All right. so, how it works. Yeah. So, so um, what they would do is they would then be given access to the app. And let's say if they have delayed circadian rhythm. Um, so this is somebody who 
let's say, wants to go to bed with their spouse at 10 o'clock, and their spouse falls asleep right away, but they can't, you know, their mind starts going. And we've determined based on the assessment that they have circadian delay. So in other words, they could fall asleep easily at midnight, but they can't fall asleep at 10, but that's when they want to go to bed with their spouse. So what we would do is help them identify that this is the reason that their minds won't shut down, that actually their body can go to sleep. It's just going to see you're going to sleep at the wrong time. So we would help them I, uh, identify that, and we give them some steps to shifting that. For example, we may have them, since we want to shift their sleep timing, um, we would have them go through a number of steps that would be educational, it'd be fun. They'd learn about what, and uh, you know, a lot of the things I just mentioned, but many more things about sleep and how it fits with their own sleep. And then we might say to them as a, as a step to try and resolve this, we want you to, um, after you get up in the morning, we want you to get into sunlight right away. Now, if you live in the northern climates in the, in the wintertime, you're not going to get sunlight. So we may tell you, if you can't get sunlight for at least 30 to 60 minutes, you know, go take a walk for 30 to 60 minutes. If that's not an option for you, then buy a 10,000 lux light box. I mean, and we could give them an idea of where to get that, probably on Amazon, and use it for 30 to 60 minutes in the morning. What that does is it starts to set your circadian timing, your circadian rhythm. Then we see how that, I mean, we'll see how that goes for a week or so. And if there's still, you know, might be a little better, but not completely, then we would start to introduce melatonin. We may have them check their vitamin D levels. We may, uh, you know, there's a number of things that may be part of their process to make sure that everything is set up in their system to be successful at falling asleep and staying asleep and doing it at the right time. And we'd guide them about exactly when to take their melatonin. We'd ask them if they want us to send them a cue through the app as to, you know, remind them to take it. Um, and so we would set up a plan uh, using light and melatonin. Now we're going to start to shift um, their sleep timing so that they actually feel sleepier, maybe at 10 or 10.30. And this will happen over a period of a few weeks so that now they can successfully go to sleep with their husband. Now, I condense that there, you know, in, in one simple example, um, but the steps that would be guided by the app, there'd probably be about three or four additional steps in the process. Uh, but this is what we found to be successful in the right situation. And so we're able to identify the, the uh, right situations and guide people to the right resolution or the right uh, uh, options for, uh, for resolving it. Well, very good. What's the best way for people to find out about the uh, Sleep Performance Institute and get in touch if they want to help? Go online to www.sleepperformanceinstitute.com and there's information on our website about the work that we do with corporations and, uh, and sports teams. And, uh, you know, sleep's a big deal. So we, uh, 
we're excited to start to make a difference, uh, or make a bigger difference in the world. Yeah, and um, what what uh, impact on human health do you want to have uh, through the Sleep Performance Institute and your clinic? You know, I know it's kind of a broad question, but uh, what's your, what's your goal that you have in your mind? Well, as as I mentioned before, I mean, sleep poor sleep leads to increased risk of you know, heart disease, uh, cancer, diabetes, um, dementia. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, anxiety, depression issues are all greatly influenced by poor sleep. And so that's one area where we, we want to make a difference. People's mood, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, you can really tell the difference when you sleep well. And mood dramatically affects relationships. So I think in the end, we just want people to be healthier and to be able to do their, to do their lives better. And when they sleep better, it, has, it makes a huge impact on, uh, on people's lives and, and how vibrant they are. Thank you for coming on the podcast and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me and uh, sleep well. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.